Good morning. Welcome to Faithbrook Church. I'm Chrissy Thompson, our Connections Director. Um, So glad to have you here with us, or if you're online, welcome to you as well. Um, Well, if you are newer here, we are going to be hosting right after service to the right here of the stage, our discovery class. Um, It's a chance for you to get to know um, and discover about Faithbrook, who we are, and um, get to meet some of the staff as well as connect with our lead pastor, um, Jim Comfort. Um, Also, it's a great chance for us to get to know you a little bit better as well. So right here after service, we'll have our discovery, and we hope that you join us if you are newer with us. Um, Well, at Faithbrook, we are all about loving God, loving um, people, and journeying together. And one of the hottest ways to journey together lately is pickleball. So I don't know if we got any pickleball players in here. Maybe a few, yes. I think they're called yes. Yeah, I saw an arm up there. Um, Picklers is the term for our true pickleball players. So I don't know any picklers in here. Um, I'm somewhere in between. I like it. I'm learning. So I think I'm I'm being pickled is what I would say, you know, processing. I'm developing, you know. Um, So uh, we are going to have a pickleball event. It's going to be Saturday, December 30th. Um, We have four courts reserved at the Daytona Golf Club here in Dayton. Um, And we'd love to have you come out and join us. Uh, whether you're a beginner, whether you're a pickler, or if you are someone who wants to watch and enjoy the entertainment, you can join us. It's free to you. Um, so come in and join us. You can sign up on our website, or the best way to find out about things around here is our Church Center app. You can sign up there, tell us about what kind of pickle player you are, and join us on the courts. So we'll have all four courts reserved. It'll be a great time, and we hope you can join us. Um, it helps with planning if you do sign up, so thank you for doing that. A reminder, there's a lot of cuteness happening next Sunday. Um, At the 9 and 10.30 service, our kids will be performing their Christmas concert. So you'll get to see a lot of cuteness. It's adorable. They've been planning and working hard. Um, So join us next Sunday for that. Um, We are now going to welcome our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as we continue our series, All I Want for Christmas. Do you think Christmas time is a romantic time? Um, All the lights and the special events and parties, do you ever have a feeling, oh, I would love to just be uh, invited or have a date or somewhere where I could snuggle with someone under mistletoe and experience all these uh, seasonal gatherings, events? It seems to be really romantic. Did you know what is the number one Christmas, most popular Christmas song out there? It's Mariah Carey's song. All I want for Christmas is you, right? Make my wish come true. All I want for you, Christmas is you, oh baby. Oh man, I want that baby. I want that person. Oh, love is in the air. Man, that song is raked uh, in for Mariah Carey, $80 million in royalty. It is a diamond certified single, 12 million downloads at least. Oh, we all want that special person. All I want for Christmas sometimes is just you, which a lot of times means I want some love. And this shouldn't surprise us. And this is one of the subjects we'll be looking at in our Christmas series. Last week we talked about all I want for Christmas is hope. And we found out that a lot of things will let us down in life, 
But what will not let us down is our true rock-solid hope in Christ Jesus, especially that we know that we are right with God and saved with him. Next week, we're going to talk about the subject of joy. All I want for Christmas is some joy. Our kids are going to help us with that. And then Christmas Eve at 9 and 1030, our subject's going to be about peace. But today, we get to learn about love. I'm glad you're here today. Maybe this is uh, uh, your, just your first time. Welcome. If you're online, welcome. I know the, the weather's a little dicey this morning. We're glad that you are with us. Psychiatrists have known for years that there is an innate drive in all humans for companionship. Uh, Helen Barrier said, within the nature of every person is the desire to feel appreciated, to feel needed, and we want to be loved. We would like to be um, invited or go on a date or somebody put our arm around us and, and think we're a little bit special than anyone else. Do you think that's one of the reasons why Hallmark Movies is such a multi-million dollar company, right? Uh, they raked in a lot of money also on this romance novels, m- movies, and it's so kind of cheesy. You got Mr. Uh, Wonderful down in small town America, and you got this, you know, sophisticated Mrs. Wright and, and big time, and she comes down there, and before you know it, they don't like each other, right? But there's some romance there and some tension in the air and they have to make things happen and there's always some kind of crisis right and a Christmas miracle and next thing you know they fall in love and it's just happier ever after and we just kind of drawn to those kind of movies a lot of you are like no thanks I don't like those at all some of you might be part of the Hallmark movie club And did you know there's a rule, one rule in the Hallmark Movie Club, and that is you don't talk about plot twist. Do you know why you don't talk about plot twist? Wait for it. Because there is no plot twist. They're all the same, right? There's going to be this kind of connection. There's just love in the air. We all know that. Uh Uh-huh. Well, it is true that we do have a yearning for human love. And uh, especially in the holidays, we're like, wow, I don't have that special person. I don't have that date. I don't have that, maybe that spouse to snuggle up with. And, and what's wrong with me? And we get lonely. I remember in my single days, um, it wasn't very fun. Uh, my friends, they had some girlfriends, right? They were going to those parties together and under the mistletoe and all that stuff. And nobody wanted to go out with me. I didn't have a girlfriend. It was pretty lonely. I was singing that Mariah Carey song, man. All I wanted for Christmas is someone to love me. Can I... Get an amen, right? Wow. Well, so, so it's not surprising that we have this innate desire to kind of like, hey, let's, let's have some companionship because that's the way God kind of wired us. All the way back to the creation story, we got Adam and God's like, you know, Adam, this is good. I made you in my own image, but you're going to need someone else. And not just someone just like you. I'm going to design someone that is the opposite of sex. And you are going to be attracted to each other, and that's going to help procreate uh, the human race, absolutely. But you're going to need some companionship. And so we kind of have this desire, and before we know it, it can get out of hand. Truth of the matter, we can do some crazy things in the name of human love. Some even stupid things for human love. In fact, Reader's Digest took a survey a couple years ago and asking some people, hey, what are some things you did for love? 
um, some risks that you took. So one person said, well, I failed a few collegiate tests on purpose so I can get a, some one-on-one with a tutor, which I was a tutoring with a professor I was infatuated with, right? Just failed some tests. One high school uh, guy said, well, I had a wicked crush on this girl, and she told me one day that I would really look good if I shaved my head completely, so I went home and I shaved all my head. I went to school the next day. It looked like Mr. Clean. And she didn't even notice. He says, but I kept it clean and I got the nickname Gandhi and hashtag good times, right? Uh, another person said, well, I sold, ne- I sold nearly everything I owned. I quit my job. I moved 2,000 miles to live with a woman I met online Okay, and she, we were part of the Yahoo group for cat owners. And uh, went all that way, yeah, and it didn't work out. Yeah, well, okay. How about the young lady who tried to impress the boy by making a 15-pound chocolate chip cookie? All right, that's a big extravagant. And here's my all-time favorite. Uh, you never want to do this for love. Please don't do it, especially in your early relationship. One of the stupid things I did is I got their name tattooed. Oh, not good, right? Have you ever done anything for love that you're so desperate, that you just made yourself so available and I just want someone to love me and like me? Well, given the importance of the need to be loved, it isn't surprising most of us believe that a significant level of our happiness is whether we feel loved or cared for by someone else. I think that's, that's what we all kind of dream of these Hallmark movie moments. But we have found a lot of times that human love is fleeting. Human love is inconsistent. Human love can disappoint us and even damages us sometimes. Maybe you were in love with someone that you thought, man, this is really going good. And it was, uh, we had some connection there, right? And all of a sudden, someone, copyright John Oates, lost that loving feeling. And there was a breakup. How many marriages do you know that, man, they, they had a great wedding. They went on a honeymoon. Everybody's cheery and lovable. But a couple of years later, things start stagnating. Things start drifting. For they know there's no romance. There's no love. It's just kind of roommates, even to the point maybe separations or divorce. One man said, sadly, I, I, I pretty much gave up everything in my life for a woman that I was really thinking about marrying. My hobbies, my friends, my families, my interests. I dropped it all because I loved her. Then I found out that she'd been cheating on, on me with a coworker for almost a year. How damaging is that? Well, 2,000 years ago, there might have been some lonely young men named shepherds. These young men were notorious for being nomadic. Uh, they were kind of lower class, blue collar, uh, and they were just kind of like the, the Western cowboys, okay? You just go out with the smelly sheep and you just kind of roam around with, with your sheep. And, and I'm probably pretty sure that they got a little bit desperate, maybe it's for a certain other person, right? Maybe they frequent some, some local watering holes and they were hoping that there might be some person or woman that you know, would really take to them and who knows what they did. Well, of all the people on earth, This is exactly where God sent his Christmas angels. Luke wrote it this way. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. 
He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heavens, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels have left him and gone to the heavens, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see these things thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And then Luke said this, When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. When they had seen him, when they saw that baby, evidently something changed in them so much that they became proclaimers so much that maybe they were introvert, but they became an extrovert and they were sharing about this baby. Something was different. What happened in that encounter? What so transformed these rugged, single young men to be willing to go share the good news about this baby? What was different about this baby? Was the moment they had an encounter, the glory of God, the divine divinity and love so absorbed into their soul and mind that changed them. They started realizing maybe that there was some significance in their life, that this baby came for them. This baby, this God believed in them and loved them tremendously. And I would submit to you that when we are, have a divine encounter with the living God, the living Christ, we are changed. Something happens inwardly. Sometimes we call it being born again, that we are free in Christ and his love, his personality, his spirit is embedded in our soul. Maybe for these shepherds and maybe for some people who have experienced this encounter with Christ, they realize that human love can only take us so far, but Christ's love is deeper. It is at a different level. And maybe somewhere we realize, man, we've been doing some stupid stuff and chasing love in all the wrong places. You know, this, this song by Mariah Carey really speaks to the human heart, that I want, I want someone. It's been so popular that she's had some interviews lately in the last couple of years, and one of them was for Cosmopolitan magazine in the UK. And they were asking about her upbringing and her Christmas years as a child. Um, and she said, man, every year I look forward to Christmas in, in my home, but my, my family was dysfunctional. Uh, there was always stress and financial issues, and it always overshadowed the, the fun of, of Christmas. She said, quote, I always wanted to have a really good Christmas, a good time at Christmas, but my family would ruin it, Mariah Carey said. So I vowed in my own life I would make sure every Christmas was great. Now, if you read her memoirs in 2020, she talked about her upbringing. She was raised on New York's Long Island and was part, as she called, a complicated, dysfunctional family. Her parents, Alfred Roy Carey, a Venezuelan aerodynamic engineer, was married to a Patricia. And Patricia, her mom, was a voice coach and an opera singer around the New York area. Well, in her early years, they divorced, and Mariah was raised primarily with her mom, but there was always tension between her and her mom. She, she shared 
and believe that through her life, her mom always resented her musical ability. And now the family is fractured. She no longer speaks to her brother Morgan or her sister Allison. There was hurt in her heart. And could it be a lot of times there's been hurt in our heart. And we believe that there might be a human out there that can heal our heart, that can fill our heart, that can complete our heart, uh, and to make us happy and, and whole. And a lot of times we miss Christ. I, I, I want to believe that Mariah Carey's never had an encounter with the living Christ that loved her and believes in her and how Christ is ready for her to make him first in her life, to be her first love, because we have been Christ's first love. And when we have this divine experience, encounter with the living Christ, it can change us. It can start ministering to our deepest longings and needs in our life that we don't always have to be consumed with romance. We don't always have to be consumed with, will somebody love me? Will somebody ask me out? Will I ever be married? This love of Christ is available for us. Now, this love is spoken about in different places in the Bible. One of the places is back in the New Testament in a couple letters of written by the disciple John, first and second and third John letters. Now, John wrote a couple of books in the New Testament. He wrote the Gospel of John, just an account of Christ's life. And he wrote Revelations. But in the middle there, there's three little letters called First and Second, Third John. And uh, he's like 80. He's the last living disciple. He's hearing about the early church. They're going through some things. He wants to encourage them. He kind of wants to write a, a memo, like three different memos. Hey, hang in there. He knows there's some insecurities. He knows there's some vulnerabilities. There's a bunch of false teachers running around. And so he speaks and he talks a lot about that. And, but there's a couple of themes in there. And one of the themes is light and love. That was huge for John, light and love. And so we see in chapter four, he talks a lot about this love. In fact, he starts off and he says, God is love. Now the, the God of love, um, uh, God is love. This is a pure love. This is an unadulterated, um, agape, personal, unquenchable love for our souls. Now, I have a suspicion that a lot of times Christians, if you're a Christ follower, we kind of gloss over this. We kind of, uh, kind of think about, well, you know, I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven and I need to behave right. And we don't think about and know much about God's love for us. Uh, we are trained to think of love uh, to meet all needs is human love. That's why we love romance. And we might even like Hallmark movies, right? Because it, our love needs are, are going to be met by some other human. But Christ is offering a new love, a deeper love in for our life. Now, what's been fun for me lately is I'm reading a book called Imagine Heaven by John Burke. This gentleman, John Burke, was... Um, interested in near-death experiences. And so he went around for a couple of years interviewing hundreds and hundreds of people that claimed that they had a near-death experience because they claim there's something out there. So in his research, he has noted that 76% of the people had an out-of-body experience. Something was on the other side when they came back and said, yes, there is. 65% of those described an indescribable light 
there is something that is brighter than the sun, but it doesn't burn you like the sun. It's just overwhelming, and it was hard to explain. Now, 76% said, yes, I encountered this love and a peace that is hard to describe. It just absorbed you. It's bigger than my heart and my brain can ever kind of uh, communicate. It's like a divine, unquenchable love. For example, Dr. Richard Abey plunged into, from a two-story uh, building headfirst on a cement walkway, and he died. But he was able to be revived later. But in those minutes, he said, quote, I encountered this being of light and love. It was like no other love I've ever experienced. Everything about him was love. But what was mind-blowing was that that love wasn't only for me. There was a knowledge that this love was for all, but at the same time, I knew he cared for me personally and would be forever. And many of these near-death experiences, they didn't want to come back from this love. Does this remind us of anybody is this the love that John is talking about? Is this the light that John is talking about? I believe this is what John is communicating. And the, this love can meet our deepest longings and need for even romance when we have a relationship with a living Christ. John goes on share about his, this divine love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. We might live through him if we can grab a hold of that. This is love. The second time he's like, this is love. This is what we're looking for. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is why Christmas is a big deal. This is why we celebrate it. Because Christ is pursuing us. We want humans to pursue us. We want humans to text us and call us and ask us out and hold our hands. Before that was even there, Christ is pursuing us for our deepest, most longings in our life. And this clicked with John. He understood this, and now he's trying to communicate this, and he goes on. And so we know and rely on the love of God. God has for us. God is love. Whoever loves, lives in love lives in God, and God in them. That we can live in a almost a spiritual intimacy with Christ. Now, this is a gift of God. God wants us to experience this. A lot of times, hopefully, we experience the forgiveness of God, that we have all sinned. We have all fallen short of God, but because of the cross, if we ask and repent, he will forgive us, and we're forgiven, and part of that is uh, eternal destination in heaven. These are gifts of God, and, but a lot of times we miss the unquenchable love of God that can satisfy our deepest need for love. That there is this divine love for us. A lot of times in our Christian faith, we have head knowledge, but we don't have heart knowledge. We don't connect it with our emotions. But if you look closely, there is some love of God available for us. For instance, in this book, um, Mary Neal got trapped underwater while she was whitewatering, kayaking in whitewater adventure. She said, very quickly, I knew I was likely to die and I was drowning. But she said, quote, there was a light and a person. The very moment I turned to him, I was overcome with an absolute feeling of calm, peace, 
peace and a very physical sensation of being held in someone's arms. I knew with absolute certainty I was being held and comforted by Jesus, which she says initially surprised me because I never thought I was a special person for that. Could it be, my friends, this is what the shepherds encountered when they went to that manger? That there was some divine, glorious love that surrounded their soul? And there was some communication, so young men, you've been searching in all the wrong places. You're following for love to meet all your needs with what the world is calling you to be, but I'm here for you now. And they were engulfed with God's unquenchable love. My friends, hear me straight that that I'm not, um, I'm not saying that human love is not valuable. Absolutely. It, that's also a gift of God. I'm fortunate to be married to my wife for 35 years. Uh, she's my bride. Uh, I, I love human interaction. There is something special about physical touch and uh, verbal affirmation. And, and if we are fortunate enough to have a significant person, we are in, in a committed relationship, uh, then, then it's a gift of God. Absolutely. However, a lot of times we put so much weight into the human love. Uh, we, we, we've been taught that we need someone to complete us. We need someone to know us and be our soulmate, if you will. And a lot of times we get so disappointed there was a book I read many years ago. Uh, I love the title. It's called Fit to be Tied. It's about marriage. And a lot of times, just because you're married doesn't mean there's romance and there's love going on there. And, and the author is talking about in his experience, he was a minister, that uh, he met a lot of people in marriage counseling, et cetera. And he noticed that a lot of times there's people who are desperate. They're, they're emotionally just, just really needy, right? And they're kind of like, he equated them to like people treading water, <laughs> They're just, they're just really, somebody needs to rescue them. They're looking for rescue, right? And they're, they're tired and they're treading water. And then they see someone over there, they're doing the same thing, right? They're, they're just treading water and going through life. And they're very open and they need some help, right? And then they see each other and they get attracted to each other. They say, oh, I finally found that person. And they come together and they're clinging together. And it doesn't really work really well. And in fact, a lot of times they can help drown each other. That's what he experienced. But Christ offers a life raft that says, you don't need humans to complete you. You need me first to be my first love. And there is a life raft. So here, get on this life raft first. Make Christ first. When we realize just how fragile humans are, we realize that we do need something deeper and more substantial in our life. I have a feeling, I'm pretty certain, this is the reason why people get on kind of cheap dating apps, right? They just go for hookups. They don't know or not sure how to put the quality into a quality relationship, but we can just have some casual fun here. Could it be that subconsciously underneath them, they're like, I really need that feel because I don't feel loved. And if I'll take it cheaply, I'll take it falsely, deceptionally, I'll take any kind of physical love because really what I'm needing is, is something deep love. Someone told me one time that one of the reasons why men are so attracted to pornography is it's not just for the curiosity and the, and the sex issues, but down deep, they're longing for some woman to be so enamored with them to say, man, I'm so in love with you that I will spend the time. I will take my clothes off, if you will. I, I will pursue you. And they kind of pretend this is, this is, I'm valuable. Somebody cares about me, but it's a lie. It's deception. 
It's a cheat. But there's an unquenchable love that says, yes, I will meet those longings. I will be with you. And that's why John said, and so we know and rely, rely on the love of God who has for us. The word rely means that we're going to have confidence. We're going to put our weight into his love versus all the other loves that are out there. That there is a superior love for us. And before we know it, when we make that choice, when we start cultivating our relationship with Christ, we become more uh, of a secure person. Uh, um, We don't have to be so needy and desperate and vulnerable out there that we're going to be okay because Christ is loving us and our identity and our hope and our security is in Christ Jesus. In fact, we, we might even have some joy bubbling out of us because of that. And before you know it, we can have some good human relationships and even dating relationships because the best relationships are first grounded in God's love. When there is that foundation of the hope of Christ is my first. When I came out of college, I wasn't the smartest person in the room and I had a lot of frailties, but I think there's one thing that God helped me with is that I knew that I needed to find someone that had a passion like Christ, like I did. I, I had no idea I would be in the ministry. I wasn't pursuing to be in the ministry, uh, but I was in love with Jesus Christ. There were things happening in my past that God actually transformed me and he became my rock and my base. And in those lonely days when there wasn't anybody holding my hands and Christmas and stuff, Jesus was holding my hand. And Jesus knew my heart and Jesus knew my tear and my confidence and my solace in Christ became my all in all. And so, you know, it was time to uh, my friends, they are all dating, getting engaged, getting in marriage, you know, and playtime was over. College was coming to the end. You kind of had to grow up, get a career. Maybe you might find a spouse, you know, if you're lucky. So, so I became on the hunt, right? I'm like, hey, I need to find some dates. Uh, just before the internet, right? You had to do it the hard way. Right, and uh, so I'm praying. I said, God, you know, I got some qualifications. I only got like two, if you don't mind, right? And one of them, I I, I prefer my women to be attractive, okay? So if I find someone that's like, hey, 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 she's pretty hot, you know, I'll be for that. And I said, give me some grace, okay, you know? And the second one, I'd like for her to really be in love with Jesus, right? They're hard to find those people. Because what I've found is that a lot of times these women, they're dating, they're looking for me to complete them right? They're looking for me to be all that, and I'm not going to disappoint them, and I'm going to be their soulmate. I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm not hardly completed, right? I got all kinds of problems and insecurities, and I'm going to fail them. But if that person finds Jesus Christ, then man, they're like, my first love is Jesus, not you. And I was fortunate enough to be introduced to my future wife, right? And man, she had a charm and she had some looks, right? And, and I took her out and I swooned her and dated her and all this kind of stuff. And the whole time I'm kind of getting her test and I go, like, what do you think about Jesus guy, you know? And she's like, yeah, man, I'm totally into him. And she gave me her story. She didn't grow up in a church home, right? And there was some baggage, but man, God so loved her. And she realized that all she needed was one guy. She didn't need a bunch of guys calling her and looking. She just needed one guy, Jesus Christ. And so she was free. She was whole. She was a lot of fun. She's like, man, I'm cool. And, and, uh, and, and pretty soon I figured out, I was like, you know, she could take me or, or leave me, 
right? Uh, she's like, I'm cool with dates or not dates, man. And, and I was like, man, that really attracted me. And fortunately, we, we dated, got engaged, and, and been married for 35 years. And the truth of man's best relationships are first grounded in God's love. Because God is meeting those innate, deeper levels of need, not a human being, not a husband. Now, that doesn't mean that we need some work. Absolutely, we need to do some work. Because there are some, still some emotions. There are still some insecurities. But Christ offers this good love, this divine love. In fact, John describes this as a perfect love. Later in chapter 4, he says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. I would submit to you, a lot of times, we have a lot of fear, insecurity, especially in relationships and just life in us all. We're not sure of our identity and, and our confidence, right? And, and, and John's like, but there's perfect love that's available for us that can drive out all these insecurities and worries that if we just allow ourselves to be gripped in his uh, unquenchable love, that can help us to be more secure and whole as a person. This unwavering love, because the human love is going to let us down. Our spouses can let us down. We can be portrayed by human love, but God's deep love will never let us down. One of, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, it's a little, Bible, a little verse. It's a really profound uh, verse out of Psalm 23. It starts like this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in one. Now, we all kind of heard that before. The Lord is my shepherd, but we really don't pause and think about, I shall not be in want. David came to a place in his life where he wasn't in want. He was like, you know what? Because Christ is my shepherd, I'm okay. I don't always have to be longing for things. I don't have to be longing for people's approval. I don't have to be longing for, for uh, financial things uh, or even people's love for me. I shall not be in want. My friends, I think when we get to that point that we start enjoying life better, that we become more whole and free in life. Now, this takes some nurturing. David had to take time to spend time with God, to nurture this love, to get God's perfect love gripped on him instead of anxiety gripped all over him that he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall be not in one. Can you imagine people living that way? Could you imagine like being invited on a date and you're like, you know what? Um, if you reject me, if you think I'm ugly, you don't like me, I'm going to be okay because the Lord is my shepherd. I know that he'll always be my companion. No, he's not going to hold my hand physically. He's not, probably not going to take me out to dinner, okay? But privately, secretly, God is with me all the time. I'm going to be okay. He deeply loves me. That's where I get my values. That's where I get my self-worth. I can go on. Before we know it, we start realizing that life is not about us, but life is about him and others, that we're not always needy to get people's attention and a special person's attention. And before we know it, we get better at doing life. We get better at forgiving people. Uh, I can forgive you. Why? Because I've been forgiven. Uh, we get better at tolerating we get better at being more secure because life is not about us, about Christ Jesus. He's become our first love. Before we know it, when our deepest needs for love is met, we can love others better. That's why I'm a big fan. I encourage you to nurture and develop your life with Christ Jesus. 
because there's going to be moments in relationships where people let you down, your spouse lets you down, that person doesn't call you to ask you out, and, and you're just depleted. But when we spend time with Christ and we remember his truth and his unquenchable love for us, his perfect love for us, we're going to be okay, right? And, and a lot of times our emotional tank can be filled up when we spend time with Jesus. And so guess what? Okay, I'm going to be okay. I don't need you, spouse, to always be pumping me up and making me feel like I'm Mr. Hero and all that kind of stuff. Jesus done that on the cross. How can I serve you? How can I minister to you? How can I care for you? Before you know it, that spouse is like, man, I'm attracted to you because you're caring, because you're more of a secure person, because you've been spending time with Jesus for all your love needs, not always depending on me. I've seen a lot of hurts in the past where people have been desperate. Like, man, I'm, I'm going to go for that human love. And down the line, man, there is betrayal, there is damage, there's regret and shame in their life. And I'm like, man, there's Jesus hanging on the cross. Like, man, come to me. Let me be your first love. This perfect love that wants to take you and love you. I can't take you out for dates. I'm not going to hold your hand. But man, deeply within you, I will be with you. Jesus knew when he came 2,000 years ago that human beings, me, you, needed an unquenchable love that can satisfy our deepest longings, our need for human love, that he's the one. And human relationships are awesome. We've got to nurture them and help them, absolutely. But when we have our deepest needs for love met, we can love others better. So here's my Christmas challenge for you this morning. If you have a significant person, right, that you're in a romantic relationship with, man, nurture that, enjoy that, have at it, man, no doubt about it. But more importantly, more importantly, the greatest relationship, intimacy that you need to have is with Christ Jesus. And the more you spend time in developing that, praying, reading his love letter to you, uh, sharing your heart with Jesus and hearing his heart for you and leaning into his truths, the more you start enjoying life, the more there's leftovers to care for other people, you become more of a, a loving person. So do that. Spend some time with your first love of Jesus Christ. Well, thank you for viewing this morning. Thank you for attending this morning. I'm going to have you stand and uh, I'll pray you out this morning. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for believing and loving us that you would be willing to come to our earth. Thank you for being all God and all human at the same time. Thank you for coming as a mere baby, a special baby. And thank you for the word that tells us those shepherds had an encounter with you that drastically changed them. And help us to realize, God, there is an unquenchable, perfect, divine love for us that can meet the greatest needs and longings in our life. Help us to nurture that and embrace that. And before we know it, God, that we have a lot left over to love others in special ways. So bless these people as they go. Bless our kids. And uh, we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.